On today's episode, we continue the combat experience of Latter-day Saints fighting in the First World War. This episode does contain images and descriptions of violence, and so it may not be appropriate for our younger listeners. I'm Nate Olson, and this is Adventures in Mormon History. One of the most lasting images of the First World War is that of soldiers going over the top, climbing out of their trenches to dash across no man's land and attack the enemy trench. One of the most indelible descriptions of what it was like to go over the top came from Arthur Guy Empey, a Utah native and grandson of Latter-day Saint pioneers, Empey was outraged when a German U-boat sunk the RMS Lusitania, killing a large number of American passengers. He felt compelled to join the fight against Germany, even though his home country, the United States, was not at war. So he traveled to England and joined the British Expeditionary Force. In 1916, he found himself with the British Army, preparing to go over the top for the first time. Here's how he described the experience. At 10 minutes to 4, word was passed down. 10 minutes to go, 10 minutes to live. We were shivering all over. My legs felt as if they were asleep. These were small wooden ladders which we had placed against the parapet to enable us to go over the top. Ladders of death, we called them. Before a charge, Tommy is the politest of men. There was never any pushing or crowding to be the first up these ladders. We crouched around the base of these ladders, waiting for the word to go over. I was sick and faint. Then the word came, three minutes to go. I glanced at my wristwatch. It was a minute to four. I could see the hand move to the 12, and then a dead silence. Everybody looked up to see what had happened, but not for long. Sharp whistle blasts rang out all along the trench, and with a cheer, the men scrambled up the ladders. The bullets were cracking overhead, and occasionally a machine gun would rip and tear the top off the sandbag parapet. How I got up that ladder, I will never know. I knew I was running, but could feel no motion below the waist. Patches on the ground seemed to float to the rear as if I were on a treadmill and the scenery was rushing past me. I could hear the sharp cracks in the air about me, passing rifle bullets. Frequently to my left and right, little spurts of dirt would rise into the air and a ricochet bullet would whine on its way. Then, smashed up barbed wire came into view. Suddenly, in front of me, loomed a bashed in trench about four feet wide. I leapt across, and I came to with a sudden jolt. Right in front of me loomed a giant form, with a rifle which looked ten feet long, at the end of which seemed seven bayonets. These flashed in the air in front of me. I, I closed my eyes and lunged forward. My rifle was torn from my hands. I, I must have gotten the German, because he had disappeared. About twenty feet to my left, was a huge Prussian, nearly six foot four. He clutched the barrel of his rifle in both hands and was swinging the butt around his head. I could almost hear the swish passing through the air. Three little Tommies were engaging him, with one trying to circle behind him. It, it was a sight to see them duck the swinging and try to jab at him at the same time. 
The Tommy nearest me received the butt of the rifle in a smashing blow beneath his right temple. It smashed his head. He pitched forward on his side and a convulsive shudder ran through his body. Suddenly, about four inches of bayonet protruded from the throat of the Prussian soldier who staggered forward and fell. I will never forget the look of blank astonishment that came into his face. Then, something hit me in the left Stop. shoulder and my left side went numb. It felt as if a hot poker had been driven through me. I felt no pain, just a, a sort of nervous shock. A bayonet had pierced me from the rear. I fell backward onto the ground. Latter-day Saints fought in the armed forces of Britain, Canada, and Germany, but most of them served in the American Expeditionary Force. Two units in particular held large populations of Latter-day Saints soldiers. The 362nd Infantry, part of the 91st Wild West Infantry Division, and the 145th Artillery Brigade. The 91st Infantry Division was put into action on the Michaels Offensive and the Meuse-Argonne. The 145th would be moved forward to assault the city of Metz. Pershing's strategy would be for rapid movement, open warfare, and relying on individual marksmanship over the protection of creeping artillery barrages. On June 6, 1918, U.S. Marines tried to drive the entrenched German defenders from Bellow Wood. The advance came to a dead stop under the murderous fire of German machine guns and raining artillery. Gunnery Sergeant Daniel Daly became a legend in the U.S. Marine Corps. In the face of withering fire, he stood up and rallied the Marines with the cry, Come on, you sons of... You want to live forever? In a wild, frantic rush, the Marines drove at the machine guns with their bayonets. They took Bellow Wood, but they paid a terrible price. Latter-day Saint veterans remembered the almost fanatical courage of the American Expeditionary Force. Joseph Ransom of Malad, Idaho, served as a military police soldier in France with the 91st Infantry Division. He later recalled, U.S. soldiers just went wild. We couldn't stop them. They went over the top without orders if they weren't watched close. William Potts of Park City, Utah, remembered that the Army took up the war cry, By Christmas, Heaven, Hell, or Hoboken, New Jersey, a sort of Shoot the works attitude, he described, or let's do it now. The 362nd Infantry Regiment, along with over 1.2 million American soldiers, launched the Meuse-Argonne Offensive, the largest in the history of the U.S. Army. In the moments before the division was ordered over the top, a young soldier approached the Latter-day Saint chaplain, Calvin Smith. Calvin Smith was the son of Joseph F. Smith and the grandson of Hiram Smith. The young soldier said, Chaplain, I think you ought to call all the men of the division over and let's have a prayer before we go over the top. Chaplain Smith replied, There is a time to pray and a time to fight, and this is a time to fight. The young soldier wrote about this exchange in a letter home. When newspapers picked it up, Calvin Smith became known as Utah's fighting chaplain. Chaplain Smith accompanied his assigned battalion as they went over the top, assisting the stretcher bearers and caring for the wounded. As he crossed by a German cemetery, an enemy rifleman began firing at him. He remembered, 
Every time I lifted my head, a bullet would whistle by. Enraged, the fighting chaplain said, I would have given all I had for a rifle to shoot back with. Later that evening, Chaplain Smith began chowing down on a tin of canned beef when he nearly cracked his teeth on a piece of metal. As it turned out, a bullet had entered his rucksack and lodged itself in the canned beef. That can of beef had saved him from being shot through the back. But elsewhere, the offense was stalling. Thomas Nybar, a Latter-day Saint soldier from Idaho, along with his unit, found themselves stopped dead in their tracks along a hillside known as the Côte de Châtillon. Nybar and two other soldiers volunteered to flank the German machine guns just over a hundred yards from his company. As they tried to climb the mountainside unnoticed, the Germans opened fire, killing Nybar's two companions and wounding him severely with three bullets. Still, he managed to level his machine gun and squeeze the trigger, firing directly into the German line. He fired until his weapon jammed. Then, the wounded, exhausted Nybar tried to crawl back to the safety of his own line when he was shot a fourth time and fell, and found himself disarmed and surrounded by a group of 15 German soldiers. They were taking cover from the American company. Nybar then noticed his Colt 1911 pistol lying a short distance away. Overcoming the pain of his wounds and the massive blood loss, he crawled to his weapon, seizing it just as a group of German soldiers, suddenly aware of their danger, ran at him with their bayonets. Nybar leveled the Colt and fired, killing four enemy soldiers. The surviving 11 gave themselves up to the wounded Nybar. All told, Thomas Nybar killed 39 enemy soldiers and took 11 prisoners, despite being wounded four times. For his actions, he received the Medal of Honor, the first Latter-day Saint to receive the nation's highest award for combat valor. Meanwhile, the 145th Artillery, largely made up of Latter-day Saints, was moved into place preparing for an assault on the city of Metz. But before the planned assault, Germany and the Allied powers signed an armistice on November 11, 1918. Some Latter-day Saint soldiers in the 145th were bitterly disappointed when the war ended before they could prove themselves in battle. Among the Utah soldiers preparing to assault Metz was Joseph Nielsen of Circleville, Utah. Years after the war, he served a stake mission in the Pioneer Stake. His companion was William Stoll, a veteran of the German army who had come to the United States after the war. One night after their work, they began discussing the war. Nielsen mentioned that his battalion had been held in reserve to support the attack on Metz. William Stoll replied, What a coincidence! I was in Metz defending it! Stoll then told him that just before leaving for the war, his father had admonished him, Son, always have a prayer in your heart that you will never kill another Latter-day Saint. In a time of unbelievable suffering, where the prayers of millions seemed to go unanswered, William Stoll believed that the prayer his father had put into his heart had been heard. Thank you for joining us on this episode of Adventures in Mormon History. I'm your host, Nate Olson.